Hello and welcome to the inaugural episode of the Panther Pedigree. What we've decided to do is take a look and see what we can do to add to the content known as the Carolina Panther Podcast Network. Um, I'm Percy, and this is my son, Dakari. And we've discovered that we have such a love for our Panthers that we should come on and try to offer our perspective of what we love, and it's our Panthers. Um, I can tell you I am a day one member of the Carolina Panther fan club. Um, I was originally a 49ers fan, and then October 26, 1993, the NFL announced the next franchise would be the Carolina Panthers. And at that point, having ties to the Carolina Panthers between my family and loving the area, I knew that's where I wanted to go with this. Um, the important thing to understand is that I want to emphasize we're going to be a friendly family podcast. Um, we're going to discuss all things, um, breaking news, uh, off-season draft acquisitions. Um, one of my biggest Panther memories, I'm going to tell you, is Steve Smith catching the game-winning touchdown in the divisional round against the uh, St. Louis Rams at the time and taking it to the house and advancing us to the NFC Championship against the Eagles the year we went to Super Bowl thirty-eight. Um, unfortunately that season didn't end our way. Um, and thanks to Mr. Brady, that was another year that he ended our hopes. Um, one of my favorite Panthers players, I'm going to tell you is number 90. Julius Peppers is by far my favorite Panther. Um, the man is a UNC product still, if I'm not mistaken, the only player in NFL history to play in the national championship, uh, in basketball college, and then in a Super Bowl. So that's, that's my little spiel. All right. I'm going to let, uh, Dakari introduce himself and we'll, uh, we'll go from there. I was no, it's not my computer over trying to get, getting all excited over here. Almost <laughs> over. But uh, I'm Dakari, um, Percy's son, uh, my calm dad, but um, happy to be here. Happy to talk Panthers. I mean, this has kind of been something we do all the time and I'm um, just excited to kind of put a more on a bigger stage. Uh, uh, let's just say I'm all, I've always been a Panthers fan myself. I, would, I mean, I got to give credit to you. Credit to dad. I mean, just growing up watching the game. I mean, I've just always it's always been Carolina. So I've been ride or die since the beginning. Um, I probably would say like my earliest memory going back would probably be us drafting Cam Newton. Um, since I'm only being 20 years old, I don't have too many uh, memories going back to uh, when we first started in 1995. But um, but yeah, I just always I grew up loving Cam. Um, I would say that's my favorite player, just the energy he brought, the intensity, the swagger, you know, you just, you just love watching him. He kind of grew my love for the game. And so, um, yeah, he just, he was just, he was one of a kind. And um, I'm trying to see, uh, I, I think that kind of goes back to, that kind of goes hand in hand with my favorite memory, favorite memory being the 2015 Super Bowl run. Um. You just you just didn't see anything like it. You uh, it was just pure dominance. It's 
it it looks so easy on TV to perform, go out and perform and play the way you play. But um, to see the output that they put week in and week out um, with the the talent that was given to Cam on the offensive side and the defense, um, it was just it was it was unlike any other. So I would definitely say that's my favorite memory. Um, and, and yeah, I'm, I'm favorite excited. Player. Oh, favorite player. Oh, I gotta say Cam, Cam. I would say Cam. I had a feeling that's where you were going to yeah. go with that, but, uh, I wanted the people to know, um, just the, the legacy of our, our Panther fandom. Um, I guess I'm going to go over the purpose of our podcast. Again, I'm going to reinstate that it is going to be from the fan perspective. Um, Dakari and I have been known to just message each other all day, just bouncing news stories off the Panthers. Um, obviously, there's been a lot going on this week. We're going to cover that a little bit later. Um, the other piece is a family-friendly approach. Uh, we have a big family, and we'll probably uh, cover that more in later episodes. But it's important for me to be able to listen to a podcast that can uh, be heard by littles as well. So we're going to try to keep the language as clean as we can. We may have a slip-up here and there, but it's not going to be anything crazy that you won't be able to have your kids listen to. Um, and at the end of the day, I think one of the things that I want to bring to this is that there are a few good podcasts out there and I've been motivated by some of the ones that have been doing it well. Um, and they know, uh, I've reached out to them, kind of bounce it off of them, uh, our idea of what we wanted to do here. And they were very supportive. Um, so I feel like the top end podcasts, we might have three, um, and then, you know, everything else kind of falls in the muddled middle at the, after that. So we want to bring something that can add to your current Panthers listening. And hopefully we bring something unique and special and we'll have moments and things like that. As we try to grow our fan base, we may consider things like going live, um, depending on what's going on, like maybe, we might do a draft night episode if we can get our fan base growing. Um, obviously, we're going to try to keep it fresh. Um, but obviously, we're in a particular time of the year that news is, can be sparse. But uh, with the NFL playoffs just wrapping up and we're getting ready to roll into the Super Bowl, not a ton of team individual news. Um, our goal is to try to bring you two episodes a week. Um, when the summer gets here, we'll probably wind it down to one. And then when the season kicks back up, our plan is to go three episodes and possibly, you know, breaking news as things come up. Um, so I think we should do a 2022-2023 season in review. Um do you want to take take it from here, D, and and we'll kind of go over the season in like I don't know, we'll break it up. I mean, seventeen games is kind of hard to uh, break it up evenly, but we can try to break it up in quarters. Obviously, we had some big no news during the year, and we can kind of talk about that and potential effects, and the fans can kind of get it an idea of how we feel. Um, the season went, things that happened during the season, and then we can go from there. Um, and what I'll do is I'll I'll just kind of open it up with the uh, the off season. Uh, 
I think the biggest news for the Carolina Panthers in the offseason, if we go back to the draft, it was acquiring Ikiyemi Kiwanu, a left tackle from NC State, potentially solving uh, a long need that we've had at the left tackle position pretty much since Jordan Gross retired. Uh, do you want to cover a little bit of that, D? Um, yeah, I mean, uh, there was a couple guys that um, that would have been a perfect match for um, that left tackle spot. Um, also, some could argue that it could have been a quarterback, but um, left tackle is where they went. Um, I mean, there's guys that Charles Cross, he's now in the Seattle Seahawks, um, just to name one. But uh, that's that's where they decided to go. And actually, I like the pick. Um, I've, I mean, I think we've been in dire need of a quarterback. I say we because, like, as a Panthers <laughs> family, as a Panthers group. But um, I think it was definitely important. I think Scott's message uh, going back to most recently in his press conferences, like the steps as the years go on to, to set up to lay out the foundation of a successful football team. And that starts with building an old line. So I think picking up a, a guy like Akeem Aquanu. Um, who isn't wasn't really known for his pass protection, but really just like the strength and just the violence and aggression he brings to the football field, um, just was enough to for Matt Rule and uh, and and company to to bring him in and um, hopefully be that that foundation piece that franchise blindside protection. Yeah, no, I think the big deal with him was. His run game blocking was elite um, because the college passing game isn't the same as NFL passing game. The passing game techniques he had to work on, but it really does feel like he did a good job through this season improving that. In, at points in time, um, uh, PFF had him ranked as one of the best left tackles in the league, not just even a rookie. So I think that was a very positive draft pick. Um, pick two, we didn't have one this year. And as I remember that, it was part of the Sam Darnold trade. So we didn't have a pick in the second round. I'm going to leave my feelings about all the compensation that we use to trade Sam Darnold for a later episode because I can go off on that. Uh, third round, we picked up Matt Corral. What you think? Uh, I mean, it was, it was bound to happen. I mean, there was really, it really wasn't a strong quarterback draft. Um, I mean, it, it was like, a I I I can't even really put the words for it, but it was just like a necessary pick, but yep. there, it was not from a great, great option. I mean, you had other prospects like Malik Willis, um, Desmond Ritter, there were some other guys, but it, there wasn't. I did, it just didn't feel that strong. You you saw the media and you saw the um, ESPN and a lot of these these uh, these uh, studios or organizations. They tried to really push the narrative that these guys were were solid solid pieces, and they were. You saw them a lot of these guys getting picked up in the first round, um, and they ended up falling back to the third, fourth, fifth, um, like you had mentioned. So for us, um, it's a solid pick. I mean. You we end up giving up, up assets to move up to grab Matt Corral. Right. And as I remember, a lot of the media outlets didn't think we even needed to do that. It was almost assets wasted as in the third preseason game, 
Matt went down with a Liz Frank injury. So we lost him for the season. Um, the rest of the draft, I mean, not that it wasn't, you know, great, but Brandon Smith saw the field sometime this season. Amari Barno, um, same thing. Cade Mays uh, ended up getting lined up in the backfield in the dreaded Arby's package uh, to assist with the running game, which was actually pretty in- in- interesting. We'll cover that later. Uh, Kalon Barnes, we picked up in the seventh round. Just not super impact of a player. Um, so we went there. And then the worst kept secret of the offseason was the Panthers wanted to make a move for a veteran quarterback to offer Sam Darnold some competition. You want to cover that? Yeah, I think um, from the jump, I don't think a lot of fans included were very confident in uh, Sam Darnold and his ability to be that piece to get us over the, the the hump and get us in the playoffs. And I think Matt Rule knew he he had a time ticking. He he was on a clock to to make things happen now um, to keep his job. Really, I, I know we talked about that a lot. Um, yeah. And so I I think it was. Um, Thinking back on it now, I think it was an impulse move, but I mean, you saw potential. Um, You saw, if you look back at his track record from the 2020 season, he had the best season of his career to date. Um, So there was just signs for, uh, for light um, positive way, but um, yeah, it just, it didn't turn out uh, how we, how we exactly uh, had envisioned. And the player referring to is uh, one Mr. Baker Mayfield. Now, there was a lot of hope yeah. that when he came to Carolina that he would resurrect his career because obviously I think it was in this offseason that the three teams that were heavily pursuing Deshaun Watson were the Cleveland Browns, the Atlanta Falcons, the Carolina Panthers. I feel like I heard the New Orleans Saints were in that mix as well. When it came down to it, the Cleveland Browns swung for with $245 million fully guaranteed bat and landed Mr. Deshaun Watson and his 11-game suspension. Um, So kind of glad Carolina missed out on that one. With that, um, we can kind of roll into the season now because um, I think we got a nice little recap of the off season. So regular season, the talk was Baker Mayfield exacting his revenge against the Cleveland Browns and Jacoby Brissett starting at quarterback. I think there was a lot of hope going into that game. What do you think, D? Yeah. I mean, you, there was a lot of hype around it. Um, obviously, Baker kept silent the whole offseason. People were surprised by that. Um, but, yeah, I think it was a highly anticipated game. I think there was a lot of said things off the field that kind of fed into that. Yep. Um, but um, ultimately, it would, it was kind of uh, underwhelming, I guess you could say, if you wanted to talk about the matchup standpoint. Um I mean, you saw flashes, um, but it was a lot of stalled out offense. Um, just really kind of, we, you just didn't really see an identity. Um, no, it was good things to see with a healthy McCaffrey, but it was, it was, it was flat all around. And, um, and the Cleveland's Brown rookie kicker 
bang through a 50 plus yarder to give us our first loss of the season. Then we roll into the New York Giants game where we had to have our most embarrassing performance last year. And there was definitely room for hope for improvement this year. But that was another flat performance. What say you, sir? Yep. Yeah, I'd just say um, it just goes back to, I mean, after our Super Bowl hangover, it's always like a week one. We always seem to have uh, that one game that just – just kind of dawns on the whole outcome of the rest of the season. I mean, you uh, week one back in 16, you go back to Denver. Um, I mean, that that's a solid roster still. And that, that loss, I, f- I feel like you could argue, argue that that affected the rest of the outcome of that season. So going fast forward to now, I think that field goal Cade York hit um, to seal the win in Charlotte, I think definitely uh, carried over um, into the um to the next Giants week and game. you kind of just the Giants game and you just saw the you could kind of just feel the energy you could feel the um like the letdown um uh, within the locker room because they had high hopes of coming out on top in week one against the Browns so we roll into week three divisional matchup number one um we won 22 to 14 and we got to see a New Orleans team starting one Jameis Winston. So Jameis went back to his old ways, if I'm not mistaken. He had two interceptions that game. And Carolina, you know, we we had a respectable game. I'm pretty sure we are looking at McCaffrey had a solid game. He ran for over 100 yards. Make uh, Baker... Uh, attempted 25 passes, has completed 12 for 170 yards, one touchdown. Again, uninspiring, but it was a win. And then we move into Arizona. Any words on that 16 to 26 loss, sir? Um, I mean, it's just it was it's just a downward slope. Uh, you talked about New Orleans; it was a win. Uh, I think we barely got out of that alive. Yeah. Um, and then you kind of go over to the next week. I mean, Kyler Murray and the Cardinals is still very early in the season. Guys were healthy. Marquise Brown was still healthy. Um, they just they just took it to us. They Marquise yeah. Brown had a really good game, if I'm not mistaken. Kyler Murray was running all over the place. It was it was slow at the beginning, but. I think I actually I want to say it was pretty tight until the second half, if I'm not mistaken. And then they just just got flat and the defense just was on the field so long. I think that's just been a reoccurring thing as well throughout the season. Just the defense being on the field forever and it just catches up to you. Yeah. Hollywood Brown had 88 yards on 11 targets, six receptions. Kyler Murray threw the ball 32 times, 23 completions, 270 yards. Uh, two touchdowns and interception, 96.7 passer rating. Baker Mayfield, uh, 61.9 passer rating, 22 completions on 36 attempts. Again, uninspiring. And I think the theme of the early in the season was Baker was getting a ton of balls batted down. So that was difficult for us to overcome. We roll into the week, San Francisco 49ers. That was the last stand for our head coach at the time, Matthew Rule. 
the 49ers took it to us 37 to 15. And as the thing that comes back to mind is that was in Charlotte, but there was a sea of red. 49ers are one of the team, legacy NFL teams that travel well, and they filled Bank of America Stadium with all of their fans. Uh, what do you have for that one, D? I mean, definitely a turning point. Um, I think, like you had mentioned, there was a lot of offensive struggles, even from the beginning. Um, a lot of a lot of press conference questions about the balls batted. That was a huge issue. Um, and I think the O-line was still trying to get um, – their chemistry down, trying to get the hang of things. You had a rookie tackle, um, and 49ers, they're just a they're a strong team. Uh, this year, they were the number one defense. Um, I mean, you, they didn't do anything crazy on offense, but um, at the time, you had Jimmy Garoppolo and Debo, and um, yeah, it was just, uh, actually, I don't think Debo played, but just that we just got outplayed, just simple as that. And yeah, Debo played. He wasn't super effective. He had nine targets, two catches, 20 yards. The The big one was uh, Kittle had five receptions on six targets. Uh, let's see. We had uh, Coleman had a touchdown reception. Jimmy Garoppolo just had a ton of yards, 18 completion, 30 attempts, 253 yards, and two touchdowns. The combination of Baker Mayfield and P.J. Walker went for – uh, they under 300 yards, 42 attempts, and 25 completions. PJ had better numbers, but he came in late because Baker had a high ankle sprain. So yep. then Monday came. Sorry about that. And we got the news that I think everybody was thinking was going to come down the pike that Matthew Rule had been uh, relieved of his duties as the head coach of the Carolina Panthers, and David Tepper instituted or named uh, Steve Wilkes the interim head coach. What were your feelings that week? Um, I was surprised it happened so soon in the season, but I wasn't surprised. Um, I think going into the season, nobody was very big on Matt. I think a lot of people actually were hoping that he was relieved of his duties last season. Yes. Um, but I for, was. for whatever, yes, for, but for whatever reason, um, he was here for another season. Um, yep. and obviously, um, we just, just couldn't get it done. Just couldn't just, just didn't have the, the necessary pieces as a coach. Um, I guess I could say, for lack of better words, to to be a successful coach in the at National Football League. Um, Agreed. He had. Agreed. I think, <clears throat> I think you go back to like when you first hired him. He he's a promising candidate, right? He's uh, he went to Temple. He coached at Baylor. Um, he had a successful track record. He won the locker room, and he turned these teams and these programs out weren't so great and not really known for and brought them both to bowl games. So um, I think you look back and you think that's promising. I think he was probably, he was one of the big names in the off season um, that year. So, um, but I think a lot of, a lot of his uh, reason for that is just a lack of NFL experience. I think you're saying he was like an assistant offensive line coach. For the New York or, Giants, Tom Coughlin's New York Giants. So his NFL experience was small. Yeah. Bar. 
pretty much nothing, bar, bar yeah. none. So, and um, David Tapper and Marty Herney were so impressed with Matt, they wouldn't let him get on the plane to go interview for the New York Giants job that Joe Judge ended up getting that offseason. And they threw him $70 million to be our head coach. So, yeah. so I'm yeah, going to kind of so speed I, this up a little bit, but we're going to head into the Rams game. And that game was really marked as P.J. Walker's start, but Wilkes wouldn't let him throw the ball. Mm-hmm. Very uninspired performance. Um Again, I can see why Wilkes was playing it safe. He didn't want to, you know, get the game get out of hand. But unfortunately, that's how it ended with a, you know, final score of 24 to 10. And we really didn't show up. Now, the crazy thing is we come back the next week and blow Tampa Bay's doors completely off. Brady had a terrible game, which was a microcosm of Tampa's season because they didn't play very well as we were the laughingstock division of the NFL. So that game was a win, 21-3. to P.J. Walker looked decent. Um, the one thing that we didn't cover was in that week in between the Rams game, well, the Niners game and the Rams game, we ended up trading Robbie Anderson and I hard for me to say Christian McCaffrey. Yep. So yeah, that's the other thing that went into the Rams game. We didn't have Christian and not that Robbie was being effective anyway. He had been more of a nuisance. I wouldn't call him a locker room problem because all the players say they love him in the locker room, but him and Steve got into it on the sideline, and Steve sent him inside, and we never saw Robbie in a Carolina Panthers uniform again. Yep. So we follow the Tampa Bay win up with probably the game that was the hardest to swallow as far as an ending goes. That is uh, the Carolina Panthers playing in Atlanta. And that game is marked by one huge play. It was the P.J. Walker to D.J. Moore touchdown pass that effectively should have won us the game. But D.J. Moore was flagged for a celebration for removing his helmet. And Eddie Pinheiro missed the kick because they added the 15-yard penalty onto the PAT. Then the game goes into overtime. The Falcons get the ball. C.J. Anderson intercepts it, gets it back to within field goal range. We place the ball nicely, Donta Foreman, and Eddie Pinheiro shanks a second kick that should have won the game. So the Atlanta Falcons go back down the field, and Young Way Koo bangs through the game-winning field goal, and we take another loss. And in the most lopsided game of the year was against the Bengals in Cincinnati. If I'm not mistaken, the Bengals had put up 35 points at the half, and we hadn't even scored. It was ugly. It was bad. It was hard to watch. 
Very I just bad. remember PJ being so ineffective that they ended up putting in Baker, and Baker put the 21 points on the board. But yep. Yep. nothing much to talk about there. Then we had my favorite game was the Thursday night game with the black helmets and blackout uniforms against the Atlanta Falcons where we exacted our revenge on the Falcons, which was a good game. I enjoyed that. We go into Baltimore, and our defense played well, but the offense was was extremely ineffective. Um, I'm pretty sure that was Baker's last start because I'm pretty sure Uh the following week at Denver – we started. I might be lying. Let me see. I believe that was home. Sam Darnold. That was a, that was a home game. Yep. Sam Darnold. Uh, the following week against Denver, Sam Darnold made his triumphal return because he had the other dreaded high ankle sprain in the preseason. So mm-hmm. that that was I remember that because I'm pretty sure that was Baker's last start. And sometime. Within the next couple weeks, Baker was traded because we go into the bye week. Baker was traded to L.A. Rams. So that was interesting. Now, because we won that game, people really started pointing at our next game at Seattle is a game that we really needed to win if we were going to stay in the race for the NFC South title, which seemed like a ridiculous statement considering how many games we had lost. But like we said earlier, the whole division sucked this year. And we rolled into Seattle against Geno Smith, who was, who was running hot. Like he was in the MVP conversation. And we go into Seattle and we pull off the dub. Pretty impressive. Yep. Um, I I think I was I I picked uh not Seattle I picked Carolina but I didn't have any conviction. Now yep. we picked up that win, and now we're talking. We have one, two, three, four games left, and we were we were talking. You and I talked all this week because we had Pittsburgh, Detroit, and then we went to Tampa. And then ended with New Orleans. So if we went four zero, we would we had we controlled our own destiny. We went into Pittsburgh and looked like dog crap. And yeah. it was against Mitch Trubisky, and that was at home. And that's when you and I talked about the last time the Carolina Panthers beat the Steelers in the regular season was nineteen ninety six, and that streak yeah. remains alive. Because the Steelers beat us 24-16. And that was the game where we were talking about protect the bank, protect the bank. And, man, we let the Steelers rob us. Like, ugly. So we got embarrassed. And then the Detroit Lions game came. Now, I'm going to pull the box score on this because this, this was where it got really interesting. Because everybody talked about how ineffective our offense was. And how bad the offensive line looked in the in the Steelers game. But the interesting part about this game is that the Carolina Panthers set a franchise record in offense in this game. I mean, it was ugly. It was it was a, the coldest game at kickoff 
in Bank of America in Carolina Panthers history. And the Lions did not want to tackle. Dante Foreman ran it up on him. If I'm not mistaken, that first drive, it went Chuba, Chuba, Dante. And by the end of the first drive, I think Chuba's almost at 60 yards. And in that game, the two of them ended up combining for over 200 yards rushing. Actually, yeah. So it was 200 and roughly 90 yards rushing. And we ended up putting three touchdowns in on the ground. And one of the more memorable ones, if I'm not mistaken, is that the one Sam got stripped on the goal line, fell on the ball and rolled into the end zone? I believe so, yeah. Yeah. I think that's it. So vividly. It was yeah. It it was interesting. So we won that game. I think we compiled five hundred and seventy yards of total offense or something in that neighborhood. And good feelings were back in Carolina. Like we really still control our destiny because that was the same weekend that Tampa lost to no that weekend Tampa came back against Arizona when Arizona should have won and the week before is when Cincy beat Tampa and Cincy had to come back so then Tampa beat Arizona now we go into Carolina versus Tampa and this is for all the marbles this is the now the most meaningful game in Carolina Panthers fandom since like the 2017 season and we ran, we ran up on them. They, we start off 14 nothing, and then four minutes left until halftime happened. And then Sam Darnold looked like Sam Darnold. He fumbled the ball, if I'm not mistaken. And in a matter of like a two minutes, Tampa punched in 10 points. So we went to the half 14 and 10. And that game didn't end our way because Mr. Tom Brady began to do Brady-type things and finish us off and effectively ended our season with a 30-24 to win over us. Now, we're going to the most meaningless game of our season against New Orleans in New Orleans. And this is going to be the shortest game because it was boring. It wasn't like the defense was really dominant. We Both offenses looked like crap. And it was like, who's going? Who wants a better draft pick? That's exactly what I felt like it was for. Who wants a better draft pick? We don't want to win. And then all of a sudden, Steve Wilkes must have said, "Hey guys, maybe if we win this, I can keep my job." So we ended up winning in one of the worst performances I've ever seen in a win, but it was still a dub, and effectively secured us at the number nine spot in the NFL draft. Yep. <sighs> that was a mouthful. So a lot to soak in. Yeah, yeah. Fans, we are going to try to keep our show at 30 minutes, but we really wanted to kind of really secure this first episode. So just to kind of give you heads up for future episodes. Now, want to head into things that are more relevant now, um, after our season in review. 2023 offseason. This has been marred by coaching decisions. Um, What are we going to do with our draft pick? And so on and so forth. So I'm not giving anybody any kind of news, but you want to tell everybody what we ended up doing with our coaching decision? Yeah, so I think 
It was pretty. It was recently we uh, just signed Frank Wright, Reich, Frank Wright um, as our head coach. Um, I think it came down to Steve Wilkes and Frank Reich. They got both got second interviews, and ultimately they they chose Reich, former quarterback. He's actually the first quarterback in Carolina Panthers history through the first Carolina Panthers touchdown. Um, Truth to date. I, I believe he only started a few games uh, from what I heard. Three but. games before Kerry Collins came in. Now, that's my time frame. So he started yeah, three no, games, that's... and then they said, bring the rookie in. Put the rookie in. Nobody wants to see Frank do anything else. So he brought in Kerry yep. Collins. So there's a little bit of controversy. So this is the fun thing about me and Dakari. There are going to be things that we agree on. There's going to be things that we don't agree on, and I'm going to enjoy – kind of going back and forth. So issue number one, did Steve Wilkes get screwed over? He ended the season with a 7-10 and 10 record. He won six games, which is one more game than Matt Rule was able to amass in each of his two full seasons as Panthers head coach because he had five wins his first year, 5-11 and 11 the first year, and 5-12 and 12 the second year because we had that 17th game. So I'm going to shut up and let you <laughs> state your side. Was Steve Wilkes screwed over? Um, I would say, yeah. I think um, it wasn't the greatest situation he came into. Your your team is 1-4. Matt Rule's out the door. Um, there's a lot of emotions flying. You got to hop on the ship quick and, and take the crew with you. And um, it's, it's a tough thing to try to pick up a team like the Panthers – uh, at that point of the season. And I think he did a great job as best, a good of a job as you can. Um, I think down the line, there was a couple questionable games, some questionable decisions, conservative games. Um, but overall, I think he did a great job. And I think Tampa um, second game couldn't second game. push the fourth and one. I mean, all you had to do was just Must've. let Sam just find a place and get the first down. But I digress. Go ahead. No, I think I agree. And like, it's the, the game Mike Evans had this, the three touchdowns. It's like, you, you couldn't figure it out after one or two, three times. It's, and it's the same fade that CJ Henderson or black, whether it's black shear, it's just, just getting burned. Like just, just no, cooked. No, no schematic changes. Like no. And Steve help, is a but. secondary coach. That's, Makes sounds even worse when you just put it like that. But listen, I'm just but, stating um, the facts. Yep, that's just the facts. No, you're right. Um, but yeah, no, I think he did because I don't. I don't think he was ever truly considered for the head coaching job. I think a lot the he won over the locker room. I know players were vouching for him, and um, I mean, I know the most of the fan base, most of you guys, the listeners are were pretty high on Steve Wilkes. Um, Big time. So I mean, I've been listening to fans just go off now what i'll tell you mm -hmm. david tepper didn't lie he said if he does an incredible job he would be in consideration so now everybody's yep. trying to decide on what is incredible defined as so you're saying the deck was stacked and he didn't get a fair shot here's what i've been telling people in the boards that i'm on so two pieces david tepper is a billionaire he used his money to buy this franchise and he'll be damned if anybody tells him how to spend his money. So I, I sit on the side where, listen, 
I've been a Panthers fan for a very long time, and all of our head coaches have been defensive guys, except Matt Rule. He was a CEO. He oversaw the whole thing. He didn't like to specialize. Um, yeah, that'll probably be the last time I mention that man's name on our podcast. I want to forget about him. Uh, I mean, I'm just saying. Now, Steve, I think, did a wonderful job. I truly believed he earned an opportunity to be an NFL head coach, but not with the Panthers. I believe David Tepper would have been pressed into a hard decision if they had won the Tampa game, won the New Orleans game, and obviously had that playoff game against Dallas. I'm of the opinion that we would have looked good against Dallas, but I'm not really crazy enough to think that we would have beat them. We just we're just not a complete team. So I don't think even that would have given him the job. I would say barring a Super Bowl berth would have been the only reason that Tepper would have considered Steve to as the head coach. Uh, to the point, Tom Pelissero from NFL Network was reporting that Kellen Moore the yep. former OC of the Dallas Cowboys, because they let him go today, uh, yep. was the second runner-up, uh, the runner-up uh, behind Frank Wright, not even Steve Wilkes. Nobody's confirmed this from the Panthers organization, obviously, but I really do believe that Tepper had it in his mind to go with an offensive head coach. He, The interviews said that. I mean, he brought, he was looking Absolutely. at Shane Steichen. He was looking at... Um, Gosh, Jim Caldwell, Jim Harbaugh was in the mix, Sean Payton, who I was definitely not wanting to give draft compensation to to acquire his services because the Saints would have absolutely robbed us if we wanted to go that direction. Was it Ben Johnson, who we well, I was all excited over? I was sending you press conferences of him in Detroit. Cause I'm like, this is our new head coach. My man's like, no, I'm going back to Detroit for another year. I'm waiting for another coaching cycle because I don't want to go to Carolina. I don't want to go to Denver. I don't want to go to Indianapolis. I don't want to go to Houston. And I don't want to go to who's the, who's the last remaining job. Uh, Carolina, Denver. Houston, Indianapolis, Denver. There's one more. Can't put my head around that. We'll figure it out. Blink. But we'll figure it out. He said no. He went back to Detroit. They had, they had, you know, they wanted to. They had some build something special building in Detroit. I'm like, yeah, okay. So, which I don't understand because I feel like Panthers. There's a lot. Um, there's a. I feel like Panthers have a good resume. I think you. There's a lot you can. There's a lot of potential when you look at the roster and the potential it can go in. So. That's kind of interesting to hear that, that Ben Johnson wouldn't go in that direction. Um, Agreed. Agreed. Honestly, knowing that Ben Johnson is from Carolina, he grew up in South Carolina. He went to school in high school in North Carolina, and then he ended up being a clipboard carrier for the UNC Tar Heels. Like, I was genuinely shocked. Um, Arizona Cardinals. Arizona Cardinals. It was the last one. I I couldn't get my mind around that one. Uh, we hear yep. Dan Quinn, who I don't think we ever had in consideration. He was in our division. I had no interest. He was a defensive coordinator. Um, 
I feel like if we wanted to do defensive coordinator, it would have been Steve Wilkes. I think that the intention was to go with an offensive coordinator. Now, I'm going to be man enough to say Frank Reich was not my first, second, third, maybe fourth choice. And that was because I really had my head wrapped around getting a young offensive coordinator with new ideas, something in the neighborhood of like a Sean McVay, a Zach Taylor, uh, um, my man in Philadelphia, Nick Sirianni, something like that. But I'm not upset that we hired Frank Wright. What are your feelings on Mr. Reich as our head coach? Yeah, I'm feeling the same way. I think we kind of – that was one of the things we saw in, in similarity is like we wanted to bring in um, that young that young mind uh, with the game changing, being fast, a lot more statistical and schematic. And uh, a little fancy, a little bit of a little bit of a uh, little bit drip, a little bit of sauce. Um, I like. You want to see? You, you kind of want to see the flashiness, and that that's going to come from a young mind, a young, um, a young energetic uh, head coach. Um, yeah. Your Zach Taylor's, your Tim, was it Tim O'Connell and um, Nick Sirianni? Um, yeah. So yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't hate it, um, but again, it kind of. I guess like beggars can't be choosers. I mean, you get the offensive mind, but not necessarily the youth. So, but we got experience. Yeah, we do have experience. Uh, He was the OC and the head coach of Indy, um, and he's a former quarterback. So, I mean, he has plenty of experience and a, a track record to show for it. Now, a lot of people in Panthers Nation are going, "Well, he was fired during the season." I'm going to say I don't buy into Indianapolis because I feel like Jim Irsay is next in a growing list of nosy owners who can't let the football people do the football business and really put Frank Reich in a position that he felt like he had to start Sam Ellinger after the Matt Ryan experiment failed miserably. And then it felt like he really had his mind wrapped around bringing Jeff Saturday on as a head coach. So Frank, there was no room for Frank, right? Because Frank does leave there with a 40, 33 and one record, which I don't think is anything to balk at. And when he took that job, he had Andrew Luck, who was considered the generational quarterback. Nobody saw him going into that second season, getting right at preseason going, you know what? I like walking. I'm not going to play football anymore and retiring. So I don't fully blame him because they went through a rash of quarterbacks, Carson Wentz, Nick Foles, Matt Ryan, Jacoby Brissett, Sam Mellinger, just a list of bad QBs. I mean, um, honestly, rivals the list that we had in Carolina when you go to Teddy Bridgewater, Cam Newton V2, Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield, PJ Walker. We even started, uh, we well, not started, but Jacob Eason had to took a few reps. I mean, just a mess at quarterback. I would say Frank Reich had probably less control because I really do feel like Colts, Colt Brass controlled the quarterback situation. But Frank, I will tell you, you did vouch for Carson Wentz, and I better not see that man in a Panthers jersey. I'll tell you that right now. Oh, no. Then I'll Absolutely withdraw not. my support of Frank Wright. I'll say fire him. I'm good. I'm all set. Um, real quick, because I think we may end up having a full draft episode coming up. 
and a full free agent episode. So we're bordering in on about 50 minutes right now. Um, what do you think the direction we should go in the draft? We have pick nine. This The 49ers lost, so the rest of our picks have been secured. But just in just off the cuff, because I think we'll do a mock draft episode where we will run it a couple yeah. times. But tell me what we should do. You're playing GM for the first pick of the draft, and you have your option of things to do. Uh, what do you do at pick nine? Yeah, so, um, I mean, just at pick nine, I mean, you got to go quarterback. Um, you got to address that in the room. That's now, do you stay at pick room. nine or do you trade up? I pref- I I prefer I think they should trade up. I okay, so that. you're trading up now with who and who are you targeting? I think I know, but let's let's let the fans know because you, I think you went to one of his games this past year. I, I think everyone should want him, but I think they they, they got to be they they got to be aggressive. They got to. I mean, you, who are you trading you with? Gotta, you got Chicago. You got Houston. You got Las Vegas. I think we said earlier. I think yeah, four I think he, is it Indy. I'm not four is Indy. Yeah, I'm thinking you get really aggressive. Uh, honestly, even if you get into talks with Indy or the third pick, who I think is either Handon. I I was seeing something about Raiders or the Cardinals. Yeah. I'm saying you get really aggressive. You get up to three or four, and you you get um you get number seven from Ohio State. That is a CJ Stroud, I believe you're referring to. Yes, sir. That's him. So that I can I can get behind. Now, what do you what do you think about some of these mock drafts? Because I know I've sent them few to few to you about us staying at nine and grabbing Anthony Richardson, AR fifteen from Florida. Uh, He's a project quarterback. Um, He didn't have. Do you do that? I mean, it depends on. Frank Wright's priorities uh, is he? Is he? No, you're the GM. You're the GM. I made you the GM. Oh, I'm the GM. Yeah. Uh, I'm. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not liking it if I'm a GM. You, okay, so you you're thinking BPA, like, best player available? Yeah, best player available. I'm, I'm trying right. to get the best guy. I like it. I'm and you don't think Anthony Richardson is the ninth best player in the draft? Ninth best. I mean, there's a lot of talent. I think because we lie at nine. I think that it's we have to get quarterback, but I wouldn't say he's a ninth best player. No, I think got you. There's- I'm playing GM. I'm going to work out a deal with the number three Arizona Cardinals. They have their quarterback. Granted, Kyler Murray doesn't like he's going to be back by the beginning of season, but they just drained a ton of money into him, and they don't need a quarterback. So I'm going to do a deal with them because I got to get ahead of Indy because Indy's sitting at four. Seattle is a little bit of a wild card because Geno Smith started reverting back um, at the end of the season. So I don't trust that Seattle won't take a quarterback. I think you have to get at least a pick three. And yes, I will deal with whatever compensation it takes because we need a quarterback. That's where I sit. Um, I know you and I talked about this before. Uh, Real quick, free agent targets. What are you thinking? Uh, Free agents, tight end. First thing that comes to mind is tight end and cornerback. Any anybody at the top of your list at tight end? Um, I've been seeing a lot of talks and a lot of rumors, and I I have to kind of get on board with it. But Mike Gesicki. Uh, okay, I like he's it. Not he's, he's not too old, not too young, um, and it, it's a name. Um, I yeah. mean, when you think about 
Panthers tight end, people are not thinking they don't know who it is. They're going to say Greg Olson. Like, no, I was going to say the best the commentator. The I think he's better than Romo right now, by far. Best he's commentator. Doing a fantastic job. He's, he's killing doing a fantastic right job. But I digress again. Um, yeah, absolutely tight end. Um, and also, not to mention, uh, we also talked about it, but uh, another guy on the other side of our, our two-time Pro Bowler, Brian Burns, um, I think Utor is a solid piece, but I think you need a veteran guy to compliment Brian Burns. Um, I like it. And you, you're going to have to splash a little bit of money on the, the opposite side because you. I think that's a definitely uh, another need in defense is getting uh, is getting pressure. Um, yeah. you, you didn't have a lot of that besides the few times Derek Brown was really like a sack threat and yeah. the, the, the times Brian Burns wasn't being double covered, which was pretty much half the year, really, if you look at the tape. And, oh, by the way, so, our guy that we had last year is about to make an appearance in the Super Bowl because Philly paid that man and Son Reddick's about to go see if he can uh, do some damage to Patrick Mahomes. So I am a little heartbroken over that, but I understand why we didn't spend the money. We had to, we had other priorities. Um, free agent targets for me. I'm thinking Evan Ingram. I'm, I'm with the tight end. You're going to, if you pick up a rookie quarterback, you need to give him a safety valve. You got to get him a tight end. You got to get somebody that's going to be able to get him out of trouble. Like, like Evan Ingram. I think he'll be available. Uh, we may have to pay a little bit, but I think we shouldn't, we, we have to. Like you said, we haven't had a noteworthy tight end since Greg Olson. Ian Thomas has been given opportunity after opportunity. Tommy Trimble came in because he was violent in the run game and really hasn't been super effective. So I think I'm out on him. So I'm thinking I'm going to go Evan Ingram. I wouldn't hate the Gusecki pick. And for me, I think where we pick in the draft, it's an okay wide receiver draft. But I could see us trying to spend a little money on a wideout. And if I had my choice of things, I would say maybe DJ Chark. I think the market for him is strong. And if you think about it, he looked decent in that Lions game against us. But. I think he would be a nice compliment until we can see what we have in Terrace Marshall. And obviously G DJ Moore is the most underrated number one in the league, as far as I'm concerned. And I think you need a three headed monster. So I'd say I would target, I'm going to stick with my, my pick that we were, we were talking about earlier and go DJ Chark on that one. So we did it, dude. We reached the end of our first episode. I'm feeling pretty good about it. There's some things that, you know, that I wish I wish I had covered or cleaned up a little bit, but I think it was a strong performance. I I appreciate you. I thank you for helping this uh come to life. And that is my closing comments. You have anything for the fans? Yeah, no, I'm just uh, this is kind of this is pretty cool. It's cool to just talk about Panther sports and um yeah, just I, I could do this all day. So I'm just I'm excited to kind of keep making episodes. It's cool for me. This is like it, and I think that's what kind of draws to this because we we definitely have that passion for the Panthers, and we're going to get our social media presence up and running. What I'll tell you right now is that 
we are going to call the podcast Panther Pedigree. So you can find us at our Twitter handle at Panther Pedigree, P-A-N-T-H-E-R-P-E-D-I-G-R-E-E. And we will have some Instagram presence coming up and maybe even some Facebook presence coming up. We will be posting our show on Spotify and YouTube. So hopefully by the time all this hits, we'll have episode two on deck because we have Frank Reich's introductory press conference tomorrow. And I really would like to maybe do a shorter episode just talking about our feelings about the things that he's talking about. And quick breaking news from today, he is retaining uh, two assistants. He's retaining um, Chris Tabor, and he's retaining the line coach. And his name is escaping me, and I'll tell you who it is. He is retaining Chris Tabor and the line coach, uh, James Camden, which I think is huge. Tabor ran an incredible special teams, and James Camden saw over, in my opinion, the best uptick from the previous year for offensive line because our offensive line was trash last year. And this year we performed like a solid unit. The only thing scary is that Austin Corbett has that nasty dreaded ACL tear week 18. So he may not be ready for the start of the season. So it looks like Cade May is going to be getting some time and, or who else we pick up to help fill that spot. So I think that gets us up to where we need to be. We covered everything that I wanted to cover. We appreciate you, and we want you to share this if you like it. You're going to see this on YouTube, so do us a favor, pound that like button, and also you know, leave us comments and feedback. We will do the best we can to get back to everything as we get our flow here. Like I said, our goal is two episodes a week. And hopefully one of us can jump on when there's breaking news just to give a quick response, especially as our fan base grows. All right. I think um, it's about that time, my man. What do you think? Yes, sir. All right. I think that's it. That's all I got. Listen, I'm going to roll roll, the, roll roll a little bit of outro music here and uh, help us get out of here. We think... Panthers Nation, keep pounding, keep pounding, keep pounding. I thank those of you who inspired me to bring this as a reality. I'm hoping that this goes over as well as we hope. Again, not the cleanest episode, but man, I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it. I'm getting ready for this offseason. We're going to be talking Panthers all offseason as we get closer to the draft. Like I said, we may even be able to conduct a live draft episode, depending on how popular this thing is. But, um... Let's do this. Keep pounding. Let's do it. Keep pounding. We'll talk to you.